Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Victor's Corner. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, one half of the Codex Prime podcast, and it is Tuesday, November 10th, 2020, and it's a new day. Yes, it is. We are back, or rather, I am back. Um, I'll be holding it down uh, for the next uh, month or so, actually for the next couple of months. Uh, my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird, um, he recently announced that he will be taking a hiatus uh, for some time. So he'll be taking the next couple of months off. So um, hopefully, Carl, if you're listening to this or if you're watching this at some point, um, I'm always rooting for you. Um, I hope things uh, do uh, turn out, turn turn for the better for you. And um, yeah, hopefully you, you know, you get, you get your mind right, you know, and um, get, get, get things in order. And, you know, you can come back stronger than ever. So, yeah, definitely take time to take care of yourself. Uh, Self-care is absolutely important, especially in these days and times, and especially in this hellacious year uh, that is 2020. So, so, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm rooting for you, brother. And um, hashtag Team Carl all the way. Hope to see you again soon. So now, um, now that we're here, I feel like, I feel like, given the given the events of election week, which transpired last week, I feel like now, I can finally unclench, if you will, I can finally unclench and breathe, you know, because uh, because um, Joseph R. Biden and Kamala Harris have won the 2020 election, so rescuing uh, this country from the jaws of of orange fascism, um, I'm I'm absolutely elated and relieved, well, more than more more so that that we have a, comp- a competent commander in chief uh, coming to the White House in January. Um, you know, it is also a bittersweet victory because you know more than half the country, well, about half the country, still wanted four more years of the American horror story, the triple K's spelled the triple K's. Uh, but you know, um, as, as it is, as it has been said, you know, the, the hard work is just beginning, you know, we definitely can take this time to celebrate and breathe freely. Uh, but now the hard work begins, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't end at the polls. It doesn't end at the voting booth. So we all have to take, have to do our part to, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully usher in and fight for a more progressive uh, nation, uh, you know, something that's much more inclusive, uh, something that celebrates all identities, something that includes more Black folks at the, t- at the table, more Indigenous folks, more LGBTQ folks at the table, Asian Americans, you name it, um, just more progressive folk, you know, fighting the good fight. And that's what we need because, man, 2020 and and the, the three years before that, holy dog shit. Let's not let's not do let's not do that again, people. And with that, that ends my political rant. So I see Kyle Chapman in the ch- in the chat. You're <laughs> so Kyle Chapman, the most diabolical hater of this side of the Mississippi. Member of the UWO podcast. You can catch them every Sunday on Facebook Live. Uh, happy to see you in the chat, man. Um, see what I did? See what I did there? Ah. 
but yeah, uh, yeah, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll nerd, nerd it up a bit uh, for this episode. I got a couple of movie movie reviews uh, to get into, as well as um, as well as a new feature that I'm going to debut here on the on on this here podcast for Victor's Corner. Um, so yeah, uh, strap in, you know, for the next uh, you know couple months, you know, I'll I'll be I'll be here holding it down every Tuesday evening. Uh, so yeah, uh, speaking of movies. Um, I, I did manage to catch a, a, a couple of uh, really good movies recently, um, and they're both available on Netflix, and I'm eager to uh, talk about those. Um, and I see John Haponic in the chat. He says that he's ready for those depressing movie recommendations. <laughs> they're not that depressing, John. Listen, um, I ha- just because I happen to gravitate towards, you know, well-acted dramas, well-acted you know, well-acted films that happen to be, happen to explore the darkness of humanity, you know, I can't help, I can't help it, you know, I'm just attracted to good acting, good writing, you know, just craftsmanship, you know, and great artistry, you know, if, if it so happens that many of those films just, you know, turn towards, you know, depression and cancer, don't blame me, you know, hey, I mean, I'm, I, I, I just like good writing and good direction, sue me. Anyway, I see Carl in the chat. He's commenting via the Codex Prime podcast. Uh, uh, rock on, brother! And uh, so, yeah, the movie, uh, the two movies that I'm that I'll be getting into, they are not in the depressing realm. Um, and like I said, they are both available on Netflix. They've uh, been recent releases. Um, the first one that I'm eager to talk about was a was a new release that that came out on Netflix last month, and it's called the 40 year old version, not Virgin version uh the 40 year old version it uh it's written and directed by radha blank and also stars peter kim um and uh, this film is really cool um it's it's the story about uh, the 40 year old version is um a character named radha who's a 39 year old woman who's a playwright and a teacher who was once a promising artist you know she was recognized with an award for one of the most quote-unquote promising 30 under 30 um, but that was 10 years ago, so that was way back in 2010. So nowadays, you know, she's struggling to get her newest play off the ground, you know, which is met with dumbass critiques of it needing needing to be, you know, more authentic to the Black experience, you know, according to this old white guy producer named Josh Whitman, you know, get it, Whitman, Whiteman, um, who Radha needs to impress in order to make her play, in order to get her play off the ground. Um, so... While dealing with that, her day job is teaching playwriting to a group of energetic yet somewhat disrespectful high schoolers, um, one of whom disrespects her to her face by telling her straight up that, why should we listen to you? You haven't done anything since 2010. And it's like, yo, if I, yo, if you don't shut your double-breasted lips up, ooh, man, I, I, I really hate when you get that, when you get that snippy student that wants to pop off at you, but you know you got to keep it professional. You, you can't just haul off at you just, you just you just can't you just can't haul off and just like pop them one although you're tempted to you just can't you gotta you gotta rein it in so rada you know she you know she takes it um because you know she has no choice but on but on some level she's like yeah you're right yeah my, i haven't done anything in the past decade and you know I, I was once promising 30 under 30 but now i'm pushing 40 and what have i really done God, that was that that was depressing to be told off by a high schooler who hasn't even tasted life. But anyway, she's dealing with that. 
And meanwhile, uh, she has a, a best friend slash agent named Archie, who's also, you know, trying to help uh, Rada get her play off the ground while also trying to walk his own high tightrope between, you know, helping Rada and appeasing uh, this this old white guy producer, Josh Whitman, to get her play produced. And so um, and so Radha, she she's come, she's at a crossroads because, you know, she's you know, she's been at this playwriting gig for like the past decade. Um, she feels like, you know, she has a voice, but, you know, she's not really realizing her full potential. She's not really, you know, utilizing her uh, her, 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 her talents and her, her gifts, you know, um, and her passion to her fullest, fullest extent. So she decides that she needs to switch it up. So Radha decides to uh, make a change to her endeavors. And so she decides to get into the hip hop game. So she decides to become a rapper. And I gotta tell you, man, you can't sleep on Rada Blank because, you know, woman got skills. You know, homegirl got skills. Yo, know, she can actually rock the mic. She can. She got them bars, bars for days. Uh, you know, she can spit that hot fire on the mic, and Dylon would would approve. He would really approve. So, so she's got that. She's got the skills on the mic. But the question is, does she have the skills to pay the bills? How far can her her interest in hip hop and rapping take her, and will her play finally get off the ground? Well, time will tell. So, uh, and so, yep, Aaron Ferguson, he's in the chat. Uh, catch his podcast, Pop Stew. Uh, yes, forty year old version was dope, and uh, yes, yeah, so this is Radha uh, uh, Blank's debut feature, and it was shot on thirty five millimeter, and, uh, and it was shot on location in New York City, and. I really like this film a lot because 40-year-old version, it's a story about unrealized potential and reinvention. Because, you know, as as the saying goes, age brings experience. So even though, even though, you know, you might be plugging away at one endeavor or maybe even a couple of different endeavors, whatever they may be, for like a number of years, at some point, you know, you know, you're you're living your life, but and you have your interests, but it's always great. And it's always exciting to explore different avenues that you've never even thought of before. And, um, you know, maybe some 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 areas that you initially, you know, turn your nose up at, you know, once you start keeping an open mind and, and figuring out, okay, how can I, how can I approach this new field? How can I uh, uh, utilize some of my skills in a new way? And how, and, and, and in turn, how can I learn new skills in that manner? And so that's pretty much Rada's journey. Uh, you know, she shows that it's never too late to explore new things. Yeah, yeah, she's almost 40 and she's getting into hip hop, but, you know, hip hop, it's 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 a great medium, especially if you have a talent for words, wordplay, um, if you have a talent for storytelling, which she does with playwriting, and she finds a new avenue which can explore, you know, her 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 cultivated skill in a much different capacity. And she surprises herself and in turn, she surprises the, us viewers. And, you know, it's great to explore, you know, new avenues and new skills, whether it's, you know, for fun or for the joy of the experience, for the joy of creation, or even the joy of, um, uh, you know, researching, researching new, new, new talents, um, or even, or even on a, in a professional capacity, like, you, you know, exploring a whole new career path, or both, even for joy and work. And, um, and also the other thing that I really appreciated about the 40 year old version, and especially through the character of, of, of Rada is that, you know, when 
when you're listening to hip hop, you know, there's this unspoken belief that hip hop is a young person's genre that, you know, once you reach a certain age, you know, once you're an old head or an old OG, you know, suddenly like the young folks aren't, aren't checking for you. You know, that's always about the new and it's always about the new and the younger. Um, and, and when you, th when you think about it, you know, hip hop is almost, it's like between 40, 50 years old, it's almost 50 maybe. So you have a lot of OG artists that are still putting it down. You know, they're still, you know, as good as they've ever been, if not better. You know, for example, Jay-Z in 2017, he was, you know, 50 years old. He dropped 444, which is, you know, one of his top, one of his top five albums in his catalog. You know, you have Nas, who recently dropped a new album, King's Disease, which you can find on Spotify. You know, you've got Public Enemy, you know, they dropped their newest album, What You Gonna Do When The Grid Goes Down, and they're just as potent as they were when they debuted back in 87. So, so you know, it doesn't really matter, you know, how old you are. You know, it's all about, you know, if you have something new to say and if you can express yourself and, you know, bring your talents to a whole new generation and, ex and, ex and expand your own, your own set of skills and your own set of talents and your own set of passions. And I really appreciated that, uh, that, that element of Rada's journey, which, was, which made the film uh, so fun to watch, you know. And also, too, looking at Rada's journey in the film, I also think of, you know, teenagers, I think of college students more specifically who, you know, they're told, um, whether overtly or implicitly, that, you know, college is the time when, where they have to decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And that's, and when you really sit and think about it, that's a really weird and strange thing to, to put on a young person, to put on a kid. To say that, oh, okay, you reached the age of 18, you're about to enter college. Now you got to think about what career path you want to do for the rest of your life. No, I mean, just 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 a year before, the kid was at home with his parents, you know, playing Xbox or the, or the Nintendo Switch. And you know, you want, now you want them to map out the rest of their adulthood. I mean, that's, 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 it's a little silly. And, and, to think that, and, and to think that your personal development stops, you know, around that college age, it's it's not only silly but it's also pretty depressing it's it's profoundly sad because i think at that age you know when when you're in college that's that's the age of discovery that's when you're starting to you know become you start you're starting the journey on becoming the person that 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 you really are and then you know as you get older you start to shape uh, your and evolve you know in, in many ways and so and 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 so like you know, no one's one static thing, you know, throughout their lives. Reinvention is, is, a, nece is a necessary element in all of our lives, you know, um, in whatever capacity that might be. And, 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 and reinvention, the, the, the very prospect of it is exciting. And when you see Radha, uh, you know, develop more, more on the microphone when she's you know, spitting, that, spitting that fire in the booth, you know, um, you you definitely you definitely identify with her, and you do, and you really want to see how far she'll make it. Um, also, another thing that I really appreciated about uh, her character is that you know she she's not a fan of poverty porn. You know, she's not a fan of you know of of taking black of taking black uh, narratives, black pain rather and exploiting it for the entertainment of you know 
primarily white audiences you know so she's not a fan of like you know things like say green book for example which won best picture inexplicably which is fucking bullshit i mean how are you gonna how are you gonna award green book over if bill street could talk or roma or or or, or spider-man into the spider-verse or black panther or star is born i'm still mad at the academy anyway rant over um but but I really liked how the character uh, of Rada was authentically herself throughout the film, and you really and you really identify with her through her journey. Um, it's it's a it's a wonderful treat of a film, a forty year old version. It's it's really cool. It's dope. Um, there's also one one of my favorite scenes in the film was where Rada is is uh, co comes across this um, this uh, battle rap session. Uh, between all these uh, female, these 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 female MCs, and they're in a boxing ring, and they're just like throwing like verbal bars and just like venom at each other, and it's just and it's just amazing. Although I although I uh, one of the one of the uh, women in in that particular scene, I don't I don't know if I don't know if it's her, but I could have sworn that was uh, Babs from from P Diddy's The Band. <laughs> that's going back a ways if you remember the, the band way back in the, the mtv Chappelle show days i don't know if the mc of the of that rap battle scene was was babs but it looked a lot like her but if it was her then that was an interesting callback um yeah um aaron also mentions uh in the, in the comments there was a styles p cameo uh and the bus driver uh the bus driver scene was pretty was pretty funny too so yeah, um, the forty-year-old version. Um, definitely check that out. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's a dope film. It's one of my favorite films of twenty twenty. Um, it's 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 hot fire. Um, I get I give it five dialons out of five in that for the hot fire scale. So uh, check it out. It's on Netflix. The forty-year-old version. And another film uh, on Netflix that I highly recommend, it's a Senegalese film, which actually came out late last year. Um, and it's called Atlantics. And Atlantics, it's uh, directed by uh, Mati Diop. Uh, she's a Senegalese uh, filmmaker. And this is her, uh, her directorial debut. And this is a really interesting film. Uh, this is a film that, uh, that was shot on location and takes place in Dakar, Senegal. And it's an interesting, uh, um, and it, it's an interesting um, uh, and haunting and, and oddly beautiful film, where um, it's kind of like a bit, a bit, uh, a bit of a ghost story, and it touches on various themes. So the film um, it's about uh, this young woman named Ada and um, her and her lover named Suleiman, who's this um, who's this blue collar worker who's who's tired of getting shafted. Uh, by his rich uh, employer who's refusing to pay him and his fellow co-workers what, what they're worth. And so Suleiman, um, he's desperate for money, and so he decides to board a ship and set sail to Spain, where he can find more work and more opportunities. So he leaves Ada behind uh, in Senegal. And so um, and so um, some time passes since he leaves, and then um, is, it becomes uh, apparent that um, that Suleiman and his and his fellow workers were lost at sea, and so Ada's grieving. She's not taking it very well uh, because at the same time she's also um, uh, arranged to be married to this other man named Omar, who's this wealthy suitor who kind of regards Ada with the indifference of, you know, you know, kind of kind of with the indifference of uh, of some rich dude buying another expensive product to add to their collection. And so there's no love there. So she's basically set up in an arranged marriage. And so on the night of their wedding, um, 
suddenly uh, their wedding bed catches fire and nobody knows who the culprit was. All, all signs points out Ada initially, but then all signs also points to Suleiman. And so uh, the police are, are kind of are, are looking at Ada with suspicion because they're, they're wondering if she had something to do with it. Um, and no, and but that's where that's where things start to take a weird turn because nobody knows who started the fire, and and it, be, it soon becomes apparent that there's other supernatural forces at work, but nobody can really uh, point, put the finger on at, as to what that might be, and or or why you know these supernatural occurrences are happening, and so uh, Atlantics it's a it's a really beautiful uh, a, a film. It has a slightly desaturated visual style. And it's uh, by the cinematographer uh, Claire uh, Mathon. Uh, Claire Mathon. She also shot the uh, um, another critically acclaimed feature, uh, which is available on Hulu and the Criterion Collection, called "Portrait of a Lady on Fire," which I still haven't seen yet, but I will. Um, I really appreciated the subtle yet um, yet beguiling vibe of the film because as you're watching it, as you're watching um, how Ada's navigating, you know, uh, being met with suspicion and also grieving for her lover uh, Suleiman. Um, you kind of you're you're kind of um, wondering, you trying to put the pieces together as to what's happening and and as to what might happen to her, um, and and all the while you're also seeing many uh, themes, uh, pertinent themes in the mix. So you're seeing like uh, the themes of class and migration. You know, for, like for example, with uh, Suleiman who has to, you know, emigrate emigrate to Spain to find work. Um, yeah, you see uh, the patriarchy, patriarchy uh, as as a, as a prominent theme in the film, where uh, Ada is is arranged to be married to this other guy Omar, and yet she's sub she's, she's subject to a so-called virginity test or purity test. You know, they because they, you know, because her family views her with suspicion um, by saying that oh she might be stepping out, you know, on her arranged marriage. So we have to bring her to the hospital and, and get her tested to see if she's still pure. Um, so she's fighting that. Um, you have um, you have um, you know the haves versus the have-nots. You know with the uh, you know with the uh, with the rich employer who stiffed uh, Suleiman and his workers. You know sort of you know meeting his own reckoning, um, if you will. So there's a lot there's a lot of uh, themes at work, and what's really cool about the film is that it's it's a really haunting and mysterious movie that kind of like draws you in as you're watching it. And um, and it's also a great example of, um, of of really good contemporary African cinema. So I I really appreciated Netflix for really for for introducing um, a Matsi Diop's de a debut feature to a wide to the widest possible audience. And from what I from what I believe uh, from what I understand, um, Atlantics will also be part of the Criterion Collection, which is great because. You know the Criterion Collection. You know one of my favorite uh, boutique labels uh, for Blu-rays and DVDs. Um, I really do want to see more African films and more Black cinema introduced to the Criterion Collection. That is one criticism I've always had, um, and hopefully, will be hopefully this film will usher in even more uh, films uh, from the uh, from the continent of Africa. I want to see more Senegalese films. I want to see more Nigerian films, South African films, films from Cape Verde. Um, so I really, so I really appreciate um, Netflix uh, for introducing Matsu Diop's work to the widest possible audience. So Atlantic, Atlantics, um, it's a, it's a really, really interesting feature. I really appreciated it. I liked, I really enjoyed it. 
Um, check that out if you're inter in the mood, if you're in the mood for a really good international feature. Um, so yeah, so you have those two films, um, Atlantics and the 40-year-old version, both available uh, on Netflix. Um, yeah, so so yeah, those are those are two films there. And moving on, um, you know, as 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 uh, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the program, I do have a new feature that I want to introduce uh, to to Victor's Corner. And as and, and and you know, as I've mentioned before, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of other podcasts. Um, um, for example, like in in a few episodes that we've a few recent episodes that we've had. Um, I introduced a, a feature uh, which was inspired by one of my favorite podcasts, Jamel Hill is Unbothered, called This or That. And which in Jamel Hill's podcast, you know, she gives her, her guests two choices and they have to pick one. And um, there's no in between, there's no fence sitting. So this or that, so it's like uh, this or that, uh, off the wall or thriller or uh, Dallas Cowboys versus the Patriots or, you know, AEW versus NXT. You know, you have to pick one. And so this or that was actually a pretty fun feature. We've had we've had some fun with that um, in, in previous episodes. Uh, this new feature uh, that I have is is inspired by another one of my another podcast, which is one of my favorites. My go-to uh, wrestling podcast, Solo Monster Sounds Off, uh, hosted by Jason Solomon. And his new feature that he's introduced in his recent episodes is called This Week in Wrestling History in which he'll in which, uh, which uh, Jason Solomon will um, cover the current week the current week um, of 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 wrestling history so he'll go back like uh, years or decades and he'll look at certain events that have happened on the same week that his latest episode is featured and which is which is actually really cool I learned a lot of interesting stuff um, uh, from this week in wrestling three so inspired by that idea I'm going to introduce uh, uh, a new feature in a, in a similar vein called, you know, the Codex Retrospective. Uh, and the Codex Retrospective is basically where I'm going to explore um, certain uh, certain events in like video gaming, film, and comics, and other other nerdy uh, nerdy topics, um, which have happened in the current month, and we're going back uh, several years. So since we're in the month of November. Um, and so, and 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 this month and this week rather marks the the uh, imminent launch of the PlayStation Five coming out on the twelfth uh, this Thursday. Um, I want to go back in time, a little Codex retrospective. Hey, what's up, Ed? Um, I see Ed Figueroa in the chat. Welcome, brother. Um, we're gonna go back in time to uh, November two thousand one. Which saw the which saw the debut of not one but two new con video game consoles on the home market. So let's go back to November fifteenth of two thousand one, in which in which Microsoft releases the Xbox, which marks their debut on the video game console market. So the Xbox came out, um, which was this big ginormous Dookie VCR VCR beast unit of a console. And there were a few launch titles uh, that came out uh, with the console. You had Dead or Alive 3. Uh, you had Project Gotham Racing. Uh, Shrek. Yeah, there was a video game based on Shrek. Um, Oddworld, Munch's Odyssey. 
and uh, some obscure first-person shooter called Halo Combat Evolved. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I've never heard of it. I don't think a lot of people have heard about this Halo. Um, some somebody named Master Chief Green Armor. You probably haven't heard of him. I don't know. <laughs> no, but but seriously, um, but seriously, but this but this uh, was a really interesting month because when you had the release of the Xbox, um, who knew that we were gonna that we were going to see uh, uh, the introduction of of a soon to be iconic uh, video game character at Master Chief and one of the most and one of the landmark series um, of of any video game generation. So with the debut of Halo, um, you had it, it much like GoldenEye before it back in '97. You had um, you had a first-person shooter which uh, re revolutionized uh, multiplayer uh, multiplayer combat, and it was and it was a cultural phenomenon. This was this as you know launched it launched three sequels on the Xbox. It had uh, a, a couple more sequels on on subsequent uh, Xbox consoles. Um, a huge uh, bevy of novels and other supplementary material, expanded universe content. Um, you know, you know, Halo. It was it was the it was the definitive launch title and the killer app uh, for Microsoft's console. And it really and Microsoft really planted their flag uh, in the in the home console market, and they've never left since. Also, another interesting thing about the Xbox, the original console, was that it was uh, easily moddable. So I remember um, there were a couple of there were a couple of uh, there was you know, a friend of mine uh, who had an Xbox console and uh, apparently you could have you could purchase a, a, a chip that you can install on the uh, outer on the exterior of the console and the chip would uh, somehow like be wired into the innards of the console and with the chip you can actually play uh xbox any xbox game you want that you can download off the internet off the tor off the torrents if you will um you can even you can even download n64 mods so if you wanted to uh play no mercy on the xbox or no mercy mods you can do that um so yeah it was it was quite a time so the xbox you know it really you know it, it really made it really staked this claim and with that with that uh, mod modifiable chip i'm sure a lot of a lot of gamers got uh, utilize that console to its fullest potential. Um, Ed, Ed says in the chat, uh, speaking of Dookie VCRs, uh, November 22nd was the launch of Xbox One. Ah, that's right. Yes, Xbox One did did come out at that time, 2013. Uh, Xbox One, which was the direct which is a direct competitor of the PlayStation 3. Um, I was a, a PlayStation 3 guy myself, but uh, Xbox One was certainly no slouch. Um, um, John says that the, he he always felt that the Xbox was overrated. Um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that the Xbox was overrated. I mean, I, I never owned one. I've I've played I have played games on it from time to time. Um, I was always more of a Sony uh, Sony person because PlayStation you know always had that rich diversity of of gaming content, and 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 better and for me for my money just more, uh, uh, just stronger first person titles. Uh, first first party titles rather also um, another another video game console that launched in November on November 18th 2001 was the GameCube which was which uh, made its debut in North America um, you had you had several launch titles that came out for the GameCube you had all-star baseball 2002 uh, Batman vengeance 
um, Crazy Taxi, which was ported over uh, to the GameCube, um, Super Monkey Ball, uh, which is actually like an underrated uh, uh, favorite for many gamers, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Uh, you also had Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, which I remember when that when that game came out, like just seeing the footage of the Death Star and flying into the the Death Star trench, it was it was eye popping, you know, for its time. It looked like it it looked like you were you were it it looked just like the film, like you were taking control of the film and flying into the trench yourself. Um, you also had Wave Race Blue Storm. Uh, Wave Race being <clears throat> Blue Storm being the follow up to the uh, Wave Race on the uh, N64 which was a fun uh, jet ski racing game. And of course you had the first Luigi's Mansion uh, title making its debut on the GameCube. And Luigi's Mansion was actually rather interesting because instead of the game, because Nintendo uh, decided to launch their, launch their new console at, at the time GameCube with, with a Luigi title as, as opposed to a Mario title, therefore, you know, breaking, breaking away from tradition a bit. And Luigi's Mansion, you know, it's it, it you know it was, it was a fun title. You know, it certainly has its fans and it's still going strong today. Um, you also had some other games that came out shortly after the release uh, in, in the following year, two thousand two, with um, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, which was quite good. I really liked the you know that that you know time spanning narrative of the of the game, and you had to play it multiple times to get the true ending, and the whole sanity, the whole concept of sanity, where if you if you depending on whichever character you played if you came across like ghouls or like something horrifying your character would lose would, would slowly lose their shit and then like you'll get all these weird glitches uh in game which really which really added to the terror and the experience um also gamecube also saw the debut of metroid prime uh the metroid prime series uh metroid prime for me is still my favorite metroid game of all time um the, the that first game was like for me a 10 out, 10 out of 10 that really uh was the the crown is it's for me it's still the crown jewel of the metroid franchise um there have been good games of course in the metroid franchise since then but for me metroid prime is like the the uh crown jewel of that whole series that's the go-to title and so yeah with the gamecube um you know it it it, it definitely in terms of graphics, uh, graphically, uh, GameCube was the sec had the second uh, most powerful graphics. Um, you have Xbox with the with which yielded the which yielded the highest graphical fidelity, followed by the GameCube and then the PlayStation Two in in third place. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, for me, uh, PS Two had the strongest gaming library, followed by the Xbox and then the GameCube uh, followed suit in third place. Um, Kyle Chapman says that Xbox One is better than the PS3. Um, you're entitled to your opinion. We'll have to agree to disagree, but of course, it, it's it's all about preference. I say PS3 gets the edge because you know, uh, you know, uh, it had the stronger it had the stronger first party titles. It has Uncharted, The Last of Us, and what does Xbox have? Forza. I, I don't know, uh, whatever Rare developed. Um, Ed Figueroa also says that um, the only PlayStation uh, generation he didn't get into at, at its launch was the PS3 uh, because the first half of his generation was whack sauce. Yeah, that 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 is uh, that is hard to argue with, Ed. Um, the first the first half of 
uh, of uh, the P PlayStation 3's debut was not was slim pickings as far as like good titles uh, went. Um, I remember like when one of the launch titles for the PlayStation 3 was Layer, which was that that flying dragon game in which in which was centered on the six axis controller where you had to tilt the control in order to to control the dragon. That game came and went, and for very good reason because it was it was poor. It, the the idea was there, but the execution was not. So, yeah, Lair was was not was not it was not it, Chief. But yeah, uh, so yeah, you saw the Xbox and the and the GameCube in November two thousand one. Um, oh my gosh, and Ed also mentioned another launch game at the time, uh, Genji, Genji, oh, mega oof for that. <laughs> The less said about Genji, the better. That was basically like a uh, like a, a PS2 uh, game uh, ported over. Um, yeah, it, it, it did not it did not it did not benefit from the sheen of the PlayStation 3. That's for sure. Um, Resistance was also another uh, 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 good launch title at the time for the PS3. Um, moving off from video games into films, um, in November 2001, November 2001 saw the release. Uh, the cinematic debut of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which was directed by Chris Columbus. You know, it launched the careers of Daniel Radcliffe, uh, uh, Rupert Grint, I think, Emma, Emma, Emma Watson. Um, it, it was it was the film that, you know, launched it was the film that launched the uh, the, the cultural phenomenon that is Hogwarts, that is Harry Potter. Um, even though it's unfortunate that J.K. Rowling is a is a turf trans exclusionary radical feminist, um, and has re has really toxic views about trans 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 individuals, which is mighty disappointing. How the mighty have fallen. Um, Harry Potter as a series, it's still creatively wonderful. Um, the the film the films are the films are 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 enjoyable experiences. For me, I prefer the books. Um, the books are give you the complete tale of, of the Harry Potter saga, but the but the films themselves are, are wonderful companion pieces. But Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone really kicked off that whole phenomenon. Um, for me, uh, one of my favorite Harry Potter films is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, um, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, um, who directed Roma and Children of Men. Um, visually, uh, uh, Azkaban for me is my favorite film. Um, I would say like my my favorite film overall in the Harry Potter series was probably Goblet of Fire, um, in terms of its narrative, because um, for me that film really hit the right note. But but um, but you know you, you can you can you can make a case for any film really in the series. But yeah, uh, November two thousand and one was where Potter Mania uh, took 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 off uh, on the screen and. Um, from 2000 from 2001 to 2011 you know we had 10 years of harry potter films and we saw the cast grow up before our eyes um which was pretty cool um also in november in Nove november 2006 we saw the debut of casino royale uh the 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 debut daniel craig's debut feature uh, film in the james bond franchise uh, which was directed by martin campbell uh, Martin Campbell, who directed Goldeneye previously, starring Pierce Brosnan, and that was interesting too because Martin Campbell um, directed Casino Royale, which itself was a reboot of the James Bond franchise, 
Campbell also directed GoldenEye, which was also in itself a reboot of the franchise at, at the time, back in 95. Um, uh, uh, Martin, Campbell's, um, Martin Campbell's GoldenEye was the first James Bond film, which took place after the Cold War. And uh, Martin Campbell's film Casino Royale in 2006 is the first uh, James Bond film. Um, well, actually, no, the second James Bond film, which uh, was it was the second James Bond film which which was released after 9/11, but also the first James Bond film which took place in a post 9/11 world. Um, so very interesting symmetry in terms of, of him directing those two uh, uh, re reboots of the franchise. A uh, Casino Royale, um, it's for me, it's uh, it, it's an, not only is it is it an excellent James Bond film, but for me, it's it's definitely in my top five Bond films of all time. It's a film that um, that uh, that not only was a reboot of the franchise, but it also was a reboot of the character because Casino Royale took elements of Ian Fleming's uh, uh, novel of the same name, which was which also was the debut, literary debut of 007. And it was a film that, that was essentially uh, uh, Bond Begins. So you see Daniel Craig's James Bond, you know, um, you know working his way towards becoming the 007 of, of old. And you know you see his relationship with uh, Vesper Lind, uh, played by Eva Green. Uh, you see the uh, the the villain Lashif, played played by Mads Mikkelsen. It, it was wonderfully it was wonderfully shot. Um, the all the casino scenes, uh, which which, uh, which were just as exciting as as the action scenes that were peppered in throughout the film. Um, it, it was a well constru well constructed uh, Bond film, uh, cin uh, cinematically and in, in terms of all the set pieces. Uh, it really, it, it really made a strong impression, especially that that first uh, that opening major action scene where Bond is chasing after um, that one, uh, this one culprit who's doing all sorts of parkour throughout this construction site. Oh man, that that was that was actually that was actually pretty breathtaking at the time. Um, but yeah, Casino Royale. It, it was also the first uh, Bond film, which uh, launched uh, three other sequels, all of which took place in that same continuity and which also directly referenced um, um, uh, previous films within its within the Daniel Craig uh, Bond universe. Um, Casino Royale was followed up, but with Quantum of Solace, which which doesn't hold up. I mean, Quantum of Solace, which came out in, in 2008, that was a film that was more so Jason Bourne or James Bourne rather than James Bond. The editing of that film was all over the shop and it was actually uh, uh, filmed during the time of the writer strike. So Daniel Craig actually had to step in and write some of the, of the scenes and he did the best he could. And what we got was a salvage job. So Quantum of Solace was not doing it. Um, Skyfall uh, for me is my favorite, favorite James Bond film of all time that came out and that actually uh, uh, revitalized the Bond franchise, and then we had Spectre, which was visually visually stunning, visually gorgeous, but all, all overall a disappointment um, for, for for narrative reasons. Um, so um, fingers crossed on Daniel Craig's uh, final Bond film, No Time to Die, which is which was supposed to come out this past April, and then it was delayed until November, and now it's delayed again until next year because because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. And, and lastly, to wrap up uh, in uh, the Codex retrospective, uh, November 2018, uh, November 12, 2018, also saw the uh, unfortunate passing of, of comics legend Stan Lee. 
who passed away at the age of 95. Um, you know, Stanley, you know, we've, Carl and I, we've had an episode which paid tribute to the man, um, the man, the legend. Uh, you know, without Stanley there, you know, Marvel wouldn't be what it is. You know, co- the whole comics industry uh, wouldn't be what it is. Um, you know, who knows? Like, will we, will we still have a Todd McFarlane? Will we still have a Jim Lee? Will we still have a Joe Casada? You know, Frank Miller? You know, many, many artists and writers, Neil Gaiman, um, owe, you know, owe their endeavors in some part, you know, to Stan Lee because Stan Lee has inspired them and countless other artists um and 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 still to and still to this day you know 95 95 years you know i mean when someone you know when someone legendary passes away at that age you know you don't you don't i mean you do feel sadness but you also feel more more uh of a celebration because they've lived a life they lived many decades and so stan lee you know you know gone but will never be forgotten um all of his and of course all of his cameos in in the mar and in all of the Marvel films, not only in the MCU and all another non-MCU Marvel films, always a delight to watch. So, so yeah, you know, Excelsior, as they say. And so that about wraps it up uh, for this week's episode of Victor's Corner. Once again, I thank you so much for watching and tuning in. Um, next uh, next week, I might have uh, bring some, bring, a, bring some more of that uh, nerd fire that nerd goodness and magic once again i'll be holding it down for a while um i'll have another uh codex retrospective for you for y'all as well as maybe a couple of other uh films or or shows that um that i've been watching and that i'll be reviewing um in the meantime you can catch all of our episodes every week or almost every week uh, on facebook uh facebook live every tuesday evening around eight ish um, you can also uh, listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, where you can hit us up with that five-star review, and iHeartRadio, and wherever you can find podcasts. Um, you can also fo- follow us on uh, social media, on Twitter, at Codex Primecast, and Instagram, at Codex Prime Podcast. Um, you can also follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Victor Omoyo. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll notice that every Friday, I have a I have a feature uh, called Do the Film Thing Fridays, in which I highlight four film recommendations from filmmakers of color, from black filmmakers to women filmmakers, LGBTQ directors, as well as um, independent cinema and international features. So, you know, check out my Instagram, you know, to, to, to catch that as well as um, other films in my collection. Um, and with that, uh, that pretty much wraps it up. I will catch you again next week in which um, I'll bring some more goodness and magic to the table. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. As always, I'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. <laughs>